Hey guys, it's Emma and welcome back to the podcast. She's an engineer. So today we have our friend Jack on as a guest. We've been friends since the since we both went to the University of Pittsburgh. Um, I think we lived in the same dorm freshman year and sophomore year. Yeah, and Jack is a mechanical engineer, so he's going to tell you guys a little bit about the design process. This is just like the next part of our series of our like engineering design series. So Jack, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, like where you went to school, what you did in school, your, your major, and what you're doing now? Sure. So hello, everybody. My name's Jack. As Emma said, I'm a mechanical engineer, um, born and raised in New Jersey, like Emma. Yes. Went to school in Pittsburgh, and uh, sort of my forte in Pittsburgh, I found out, was um, robotics-based design work. I joined the robotics club at Pittsburgh and had a lot of fun doing that. And that's sort of where I found my career path in as well. Um, I got a job out of college working as a U.S. Army contractor. And now I do a lot of work for the Army designing um, parts of vehicles. And it's um, sort of in that robotic design space, kind of just as I did in uh, in Pittsburgh as well. That's pretty cool. Do you find it difficult to, to do this kind of work or is it something that you really enjoy? It's definitely both. At times it's... Um, when you get into an area of design that you haven't done before, it's definitely a big challenge and it's important to rely on the people around you who uh, have done something before. But of course, there's always going to be challenges that the team needs to face that nobody's really faced before. And it takes a lot of creativity um, as well as uh, background knowledge of what exactly needs to be designed in order to come out with a good product. Um, and one very big pitfall, I think, in design engineering is not really having clear requirements as to what needs to be built. And I think that's kind of one thing that they don't really teach in schools too much is some of the soft skills, I suppose, of design engineering. Because if you don't have a, a background, I suppose, in knowing what how to design something such as like maybe you need to ensure that it hits a certain spec such that it doesn't break you can do those calculations and you learn that in school but actually the process of determining what that spec should be in the first place is kind of something you have to learn while you're on the job and sometimes that's done by the engineer oftentimes it is other times it might be done by somebody else like a project manager um, typically in my field, it is done by the engineer though. Okay. And on your team, do you have like a specific role or does everyone on the same, on your team do like similar things, but you're just w- working on different, different parts? I would say a lot of people sort of have a similar role, but are working on different parts. So of course there's people with varying levels of experience, And the more experience you have, the more responsibility you get and the more leadership responsibility you get. But typically everyone sort of picks an area of the design. It's a big enough, there's enough work for multiple mechanical engineers as well as other disciplines 
where you either maybe work alone or work with one or two other people to sort of uh, bring various aspects of the design to fruition. Okay. What would you say like are other, I guess, fields of engineering that could do like similar things as you or, or who work on the same team as you? For me, it's definitely a lot of electrical and software engineers. And that sort of includes controls engineers too, um, because we're dealing with a lot of heavy machinery and robotics. Um, it requires, you know, a lot of uh, electrical knowledge in order to power everything correctly. And one thing that I never realized was such an important thing in the robotics field is controls, because you have to know, like, the system likes to sort of overcompensate when it is trying to, I guess, hit certain targets that you tell it to hit with the software. So it's really important electrically to um, have a system to automatically regulate, I suppose, um, how that software actually interacts with the mechanical system. Okay, that was a really good explanation. So going back to, I guess, undergrad, what classes do you think you say like helped you the most and like learn more about the design process or was this process mostly learned through doing the robotics club? So in terms of the classes, it really depends on what field you go into, what classes will be most important. So for example, because I chose a field that's heavy in robotics, my mechanical design classes naturally, I suppose, were uh, pretty helpful. And even like basics, basic physics classes I think come in a lot of help. In fact, arguably, I think I use my physics one knowledge. One of the first classes I took freshman year, I probably use that the most. Math classes, I think, are a little bit less relevant. But yeah, like someone else maybe in like an HVAC field might find heat and mass transfer to be a very useful class. But for me, where I am, I barely take anything from that. Okay. And what about like your senior design class? Was your project related or like what kind of design process did you go through for that capstone project? Sure. So my senior design project was more so trying to take a conceptual product that had been designed in like a very prototypical way and turning it into something more manufacturable. So I think in some aspects that that was useful. In particular, uh, being able to take like a physical thing that didn't really have a definition to it and then turning it into a definition. So sort of like, um, what's the term? Reverse engineering okay. in front of you. And I actually have used that a little bit at work. So in that sense, I think it, it does come in handy. Okay, I see. So from like the engineering design process, are there any like specific like, are there any specific steps in the engineering design process for mechanical engineering or for what you're doing, like, in ro more, like, robotics that you think are, like, vastly different than, you know, other fields of engineering? I'd say it's a little bit difficult for me to say because I haven't been in the other fields. But if I were to guess, I would say sort of the time frames that you're working with is probably a... Uh, you have to take those into account a lot, especially lately with um, a lot of shipping delays due to COVID. Things can't get manufactured quickly. Okay. So you have to take into account lead times um, of a lot of items. I'm sure other industries have to deal with that too. 
but I think in the mechanical industry in particular, we have, uh, that's been a big struggle. Because you're dependent a lot on like the products that you need to get shipped to you to be able to finish your design. Correct. And I would arguably say more so if we buy like something off the shelf, let's say a motor, if we want to buy a motor off the shelf, that company supplying the motor needs to get the parts shipped to them in order to manufacture it. And that tends to be where most of the problems are arising. It's actually that sort of middle person who's manufacturing your like intermediate goods that can't get their stuff shipped. Okay. And then what about prototyping? So do you find that you're doing a lot of small scale, like model prototyping or like really like full scale? It really varies. It depends on um, the level of the t- what you're trying to test. So in some cases you're trying to test really big concepts and how they interact with each other. And then you're doing a pretty serious prototype that might take you over a, like, you know, course of a few months. In other cases, you're just testing like a, a smaller concept that you can do in like a day or two. And those are much easier to, you don't even really need to plan those. You just can sort of say, you know, what do I need to achieve? And then you go and do it. But for those bigger projects, um, it's definitely a, a skill figuring out how to um, how to plan those out, figure out what you actually need to, to test for and why you're actually making a prototype. And in some other industries I know, that prototype might be something that you, you know, do a little bit of um, work onto and then you send that out into the market as like smaller companies and startup size companies they'll send something close to a prototype out to market to test it. Okay. Got it. Got it. And then who would you say like your biggest like evaluator is? So I know for like bio, I'll, I'll explain it more, but I know for like bioengineering, a lot of like prototyping and refinement and like iterations have to do with like whoever your, your, target population is so like you'll test it and ask people to give you feedback on your prototype based on like their use of it so who is like your target population or who is usually like evaluating and helping you along with this like refinement process does that make sense so in my industry in particular or generally like your industry in particular so in my industry, it's it would be other stakeholders within the army. So it might be like people at like the colonel or the general level. Okay. And it, and it could also be other organizations within the army that sort of um, buy and sell from within. It's kind of weird. It's almost like it's a microeconomy. Oh, interesting. And I just learned this like a few months ago, actually. Yeah, where you have people hired by the government to sort of purchase the best products for their own product. So maybe let's say like an artillery system, there might be certain parts of the artillery system that get designed by different groups. Maybe there's some private companies, maybe there's some within the army. And then that uh, product owner is responsible for sort of choosing the business or organization that they're going to buy from. So in a way it is, it's still, retains competition like we compete with with uh, 
outside private companies. Oh, I see. That's really interesting. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. So in in general, I know you said like you'll often like, you know, send it out to market to test, but is there any like post design work that you have to do? For example, like once it gets to market or or once you hand it off to like once you're done with the design process and you hand it off to the colonel or general or whoever is using it, is there anything you you have to do afterwards? So typically from my experience, no, but once you do a test, like a live fire test, mm-hmm. or you actually field something, then typically there are going to be some issues. So you sort of do an iteration okay, and you improve the product for maybe you do another test, big test in like six months or a year. Okay. And then eventually once the product reaches its full maturity, that's when it gets handed off to a different group. Got it. Got it. So it's just like just testing to make sure it's still working like six months to a year after it's manufactured or how do you determine like longevity of the product? So I get longevity is actually not really our forte. Surprisingly, we, we sort of have stuff that we sort of build it so that it lasts as long as we intend to use it, which is usually only like a year or two. Oh. And then another group will come in afterwards. Like we sort of just prove out we're, so we for, we specialize in prototyping. So another group will come in if it works. Another group will come in after us, and they'll be the people who actually do run those calculations and figure out how long it's going to last, figure out the durability and all that stuff. Oh, okay. So you guys, like, really just – so you're really, like, in the design work. Like, you're doing the prototyping, and then, like, someone else comes in and, like, figures out manufacturing and stuff like that. Yes, but we we still do our own manufacturing of the prototype. It's just – the manufacturing for the final product and the optimization of the design okay. um, is typically done by somebody else. Okay. But your like mass manufacturing is definitely done by someone else. If your products yes. are at all mass manufactured. Yes. Got it. Got it. And then is there any like sort of, aside from like approvals that you need to get from the people that are using the product, like whoever you know, your consumer is, is there any sort of like legal approvals that you need to obtain? Like for, you know, bioengineering, a lot of approvals you need to get through like the FDA for like medical devices. Is there something similar in your field? I'm sure there is, but to be honest, I, that's not something I deal with at all. Okay. Um, typically that's dealt, but dealt with sort of at a different level in the project. Okay got it like a project manager or something like that probably yeah okay i see and then do you just want to tell everyone like talk through uh what what your design process is like from like when you do your like needs assessment or when you get the project from someone to like when when you hand off the project to somebody else how about can i give sort of what I know a typical company's design process is? Yeah, sure. Go for that. Okay. So a typical company's design process 
starts with the requirement stage that I talked about before. There'll be somebody with a need and uh, or a problem, and then someone else will be there who's maybe like a product or a project manager, and they will they will figure out how to translate that need into product or a solution. And then they build the requirements for the engineers and the engineers then design towards those requirements. So once it gets handed off to the engineers, the engineers typically come up with a few concepts, broader concepts, lacking detail, just sort of like generally how the product is gonna look, how it's gonna function. And a lot of times you'll have a few different concepts and you'll send that off to um, the project manager, the product manager, and then they will show that to the clients or um, potential users or buyers, and you'll get feedback from that. And then typically that process goes cyclically and eventually you come to one concept that you're going to work on. Okay. Maybe you, in that time you might develop, sometimes you might develop two and then eventually one stops and you choose one over the other. Um, and then you sort of continue to do that and you get more detailed and detailed. Optimally, if you do it right, you keep getting more feedback as you go. And eventually you reach the um, manufacturing stage and you might want to put those into production. So you might make a prototype first, show that off. That's kind of part of, that could be part of the concepting phase too. But the manufacturing stage itself is, you sort of have a design lockdown that you want to work on. You start building manufacturing drawings, which is something that you would officially submit to um, an external like machine shop. Okay. Although lately, some a lot of machine shops don't even require drawings. Sometimes you can just give them like a 3D model of what you're trying to do, and that's a lot easier. But then again, you don't quite get some of the accuracy that you need. Like it's not fully communicated. Okay. So typically, if you got if you're making a true final product, you're gonna still use the drawings, and then once it gets manufactured course then it would get sent to the customer maybe you have a quality control people in there and then you continue to get feedback from the customer in like a real setting and then you may for the next iteration you may redesign certain components of it certain parts in order to improve it for the next round oh great that was a great like quick and and short summary of the mechanical engineering design process for companies so Jack, I also know that you are slash used to be an entrepreneur. Did you have to go through any of these processes when you were like creating ideas or like implementing ideas for for your previous companies or startups? Yes, 100%. And it really is a very, very similar process. In particular, in the early stages, you're going to be going to your potential users, people who you think would be buying, mm-hmm. and getting their feedback, figuring out what their problems are, mm-hmm. and developing an idea of a solution. Okay. And that's that's what I did. That's what I always do for my little entrepreneurial stunts. And then it's a matter of building the product, continuing to get feedback, and then determining: okay, is this going to be a viable solution going forward? Is there a viable business here? There's, you have to build a business model and, and stuff as well. And then, you, you know, it's very much a cyclical process. You keep producing a little bit, 
getting a little bit of information, producing more, getting more information, and just letting it cycle through. Okay. And would you say that, like, the needs assessment is, like, more important or, like, more emphasized in this process versus, like, when you're designing something at a company? Do you mean, like, is it, so is doing that market research more important than at a standard company? Yes. I would say yes, because a lot of times at, if you're at an existing company that has a lot of products, you already know what your customers need in a lot of cases. So there's less risk to sort of going off and just designing something based on some assumptions because those assumptions are going to be close to correct regardless. Okay. But when you're building something brand new and you don't have a customer base for it, then there's more risk because you might be building something that nobody needs in any way. Mm, that's interesting. Okay. So are there any classes that you wish you would have taken to help you with the entrepreneurship or like any classes that you would recommend to other people that are also looking to become entrepreneurs? Sure. So I did take an entrepreneurship class regarding startups. I thought that was pretty good, but I think if I were to go back, um, I was actually an econ minor and I took a lot of economics classes. Okay. Many of those, which were sort of like free filling classes just for me to get the minor. But if I had a recommendation for anybody who wants to go into business, economics classes are not going to help you at all. (laughs) I would recommend taking um, actual business classes like business management, an entrepreneurship class, that sort of thing. Things that I guess are as directly applicable as you could potentially get in business. Okay. Definitely good to know. Okay, thanks so much for being on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Are there any last tips that you have for anyone like regarding the design process or mechanical engineering or just general tips that you have? I would say stay organized. That's probably the number one thing that I had to change coming into the industry was I would often like come up with ideas or think of things that I would have to do, but I wouldn't really write down that I had to do it half the time. And then I'd always pay the price later on because I'd be like, oh wait, I forgot to do this. And I have to make some changes in order to implement it. But if you are very organized with um, the order of which you do things, you'll save a lot of time and you'll waste a lot less time. Okay. And sorry, one last question. What do you use to stay organized? Like, is there any particular like app or program that you use? I honestly just use Excel and I make a to-do list with a few other like features, I guess. Okay. What my goals are, but nothing too crazy. Excel works for me. Okay. So you make like a list with like actionable items basically. Correct. As well as notes, like reminders, due dates, all that stuff. Oh, good. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And we will see you guys again in two weeks. Hope everyone enjoyed. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.